Good morning. And uh, I just want to just emphasize again, please, everybody, let's pray for the Philippines. Um, Brian and Elaine's kids are missionaries in the south of the Philippines, and that's where the, um, the hurricane, I think they call it typhoon. It's a typhoon in, in the Philippines. Same thing, I think. But uh, we need to really pray that God will protect them. The, when we were there last summer to see the devastation that, uh, that just hit that country through the flooding was, was just really um, terrible. So we, I really appreciate you, you praying for them. I want to share a verse with you, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, and uh, it goes like this, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to become rich. By this, he may keep his agreement, which he promised to your fathers, as it is to this day. Let's bring the lights up just a speck. Can we do that, Andrew, so that you can follow along your Bible if you like? Um, that's quite a good verse. Who's, who's, God is giving you the power to become rich. I just want to say that there is no footnote in the scripture that says that this is just for some people and not for others. And this might come as a bit of a surprise to a lot of you here today because uh, I'm not, we're, this is not a, a wealth, uh, wealth and a prosperity uh, teaching church. We don't, we don't uh, believe that line of doctrine. Uh, but you are going to hear over the next few weeks what it is we believe concerning prosperity, concerning God's provision. And uh, this is a very interesting verse. Uh, if I asked everybody here today who would like to be rich, I think probably most people would say, yeah, I'd be interested in that. Anybody like that interested in some of that? Uh, how many prefer poor poverty? Anybody? Okay, Cole, you prefer poverty? All right, you can leave if you like. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, don't, don't move. Um, I, I love that movie, Fiddler on the Roof. You've heard me quote this before. Uh, Rictavia is has got a, a young... A young university student who's come by, and he wants to teach Tevia's daughters. And uh, it, he, is, he is one of the um, one of the communist agitators, one of the fathers, if you will, of the communist movement. And so, in his opinion, wealth is a, a scourge. It's it's evil. It's riches are of the devil. They're not of God. And uh, it's, a, it's a plague. And so Tevia says to, his, to the young man who will become his son-in-law, actually, he says, may, may God strike me with it and may I never recover. And so uh, I think many of us here today would say, I'd love to see all my needs met. I'd love to see God provide for me. I'd love to be in a position where I have everything that I need. Well, I got good news for you today. And it's this, God does want to provide for you. He does want to meet all your needs. In fact, here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that, that God will increase your wealth, or as it says here, your riches, uh, if you will be faithful in doing your part in returning to the Lord a portion of what he's given to you. In fact, it goes even beyond that. It's more than just the idea of passing an offering plate. It's the idea of being a partner with God to bring hope and life and healing to this broken and hurting world. You see, here's the thing. Most of us don't understand money. We don't understand our relationship to money because we don't understand God. We don't understand God's plan. We don't understand the heart of God. And here's what you need to know today regarding the heart of God. God loves this world. 
How many understand that today? In fact, God loves this world so much that the Bible says he sent his son to save this world. It's the one reason that Jesus came to this earth, to seek and to save what was lost. So if you don't understand that, then you will certainly not understand money, your relationship to money, and God's part in that, in that relationship to money. Here's what I know from Scripture, and this, is, this might come as a shock to you. Money is not evil. How many know that today? Money is not evil. And this is the problem with the communists. They thought they had this idea that somehow money was evil. Money is not the problem. The love of money is the problem. The love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. And so if you go back to the early church in Acts chapter 4, you will discover that the early church experienced something very beautiful, something very glorious. We call it koinonia. It's a Greek word koinonia. It's the, it, the, the best translation of that word koinonia is the word fellowship. But it really doesn't do justice to the word because what you need to understand about koinonia is that it means having everything in common. Not just our values, having our values in common, but even, even our wealth, even our possessions we have in common. Believe it or not, people, this might come as a surprise, especially considering that, that communism was so anti-God, anti-Christian. The New Testament, Acts chapter 4, was the first real example of true communism. What was the difference? I'll tell you what the difference is, is that God owned the hearts of those believers in the early church. So here's what I know. The early church, if you take a look at it, you discover that no one had a need. Isn't that amazing? Every single believer, every single person who called himself or herself a Christian had all their needs met. They had everything in common. And I want you to know something about Cross Church is that this is a church that provides for and helps everybody make sure that, that everybody's needs are met. This is, this is what makes this church special, is that we try to help and provide for and care for everybody who's part of our family. Now, I want to tell you uh, a little bit about a person that I met this past week. It was really a truly amazing experience for me and for Andrew, who is part of this, and also Robert McLean, some of you know him. He's our Aboriginal Missions Director. We met a fellow by the name of Jinsu uh, Kim. Jinsu is a wealthy New York millionaire. Jinsu originally came from South Korea. He grew up in a very poor home. In fact, he actually showed me some pictures of, of his home. He, he says that the poverty that he lived in in South Korea when he was growing up was far worse than anything he's ever seen in Canada. And I said, have you been to the north? Well, absolutely he's been to the north. He's been through many of the northern communities. And he said that compared to what they have in the north, even though we consider it poverty, he said what he grew up in was far worse. Well, he said as a young boy, somebody told him about Jesus Christ. And so he, he, he asked Jesus Christ to come into his life. He became a Christian. He said he was the first one in his family to become a Christian. He said at that time, there weren't that many people who were followers of Christ. 
But he knew, he knew that this message of Jesus Christ, a Christ who wanted to provide for him and meet his needs and care for him and give him abundant life, he said this was in stark, in stark uh, contrast to what he was growing up with. He had nothing. And suddenly someone comes along and says, God wants to provide for you. And not only does God want to provide for you, but he wants to give you this abundant life. And not just abundant life, but eternal life. He said that this was, a, this was an offer he could not refuse. And so he gave his heart to Jesus. He asked Jesus into his life. He said that was a turning point for him in so many ways. It was the beginning of his climb out of poverty. He knew as he followed Jesus Christ that what he needed to do is he needed to get an education. He said, he says, I was not a smart student. And uh, I'm looking at this guy who's a millionaire, a multi, multi-millionaire, sitting there in my office across from me saying, I wasn't very smart in school. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, sure. You know, he's just being modest or just trying to, trying to show us just, you know, trying to set maybe a good contrast to make his story look even better. You've seen that happen. And uh, he said, here's my marks. So he showed me a slide. He he had a little slideshow, and he showed me a slide of his marks, and he was right. They weren't very good. He said, but I knew that I needed to persevere in that. And in fact, because of his love and appreciation for education, this is what, what got his attention this is how we got his attention, because what we're trying to do... Actually, can you just stand up and show everybody your T-shirt? Look at Jeff's T-shirt. Let everybody see it. Turn, 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 turn. Keep going round and round. Yeah, it's a, it says forge. Okay, you may... Okay, it's enough. <laughs> I'll buy you a coffee after. Uh, this Forge College that, that Jeff, his T-shirt he's wearing, this was a, this was a college that Andrew and I and, um, and Robert have been trying to work on developing, and it's a, it's a school for the Aboriginal students. Well, Mr. Kim has got this great love and interest in the Aboriginals of North America, uh, particularly in northern Canada. And so his great love for education and what we're trying to do got his attention. So this is how we ended up meeting with him, and this is how we ended up being with him uh, on Friday. So listen to this. He uh, goes on to say that he tried to get into university, and he, he, he tried to get his degree. He, he actually did somehow get in. He tried three times. He failed three times before he was able to get his first degree. He said education was so important to him, but it was so difficult and then he said he got into computer programming. He said somehow, some, some way, because I'm not a smart man, but somehow this clicked with me. And so he began to study elect, uh, computers and ended up emigrating to Canada, or not, to, to the United States, to New York, in 1986. He started working for a company, and he worked so hard and was so diligent and had such a strong Christian work ethic that his boss said, we've got to give this guy a raise. And they gave him a raise, gave him, uh, ended up being a 30% raise, and then he started getting a 30% raise every year because he was so good at what he did and because he had such strong Christian principles. To make a very, very long story just long, uh, <laughs> Mr. Kim ended up going out on his own, and he developed his own software. His software that he developed was so cutting edge and so revolutionary that he ended up winning the Entrepreneur's uh, Award of the Year, Entrepreneur of the Year Award, and he actually showed the video clip of him receiving the award, and 
and he got up to the mic. He gives thanks to his wife and a few others. And then he said this, I want to give thanks to my God who made this possible. Mr. Kim understood that the success that he experienced, that the ability that he had to succeed came from God. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power, ability to become rich. He may keep his agreement, which he promised your forefathers, as it is to this day. Mr. Kim went on to develop quite a successful company. At first, it was just him and his house. He said he was so embarrassed it was just him and his house that when he started his company, he didn't even want to call himself the president because it sounded so presumptuous. And he thought, if I give up my card and tell somebody I'm the president of this company, and they ask how many are working, he says, just me. He said that, was, that sounded far too embarrassing, so he called himself the vice president. <laughs> And then, and then as he was handing out this card that said vice president, he said even that embarrassed him, so he changed it to principal, uh, you know, university or school principal. He said, I, I'm, I, he said, I'm not very good at English, he said, so it, it made sense to me, but it didn't make sense to anybody else. Long story short, uh, er, uh, he, he, he ended up growing this company so that he had over 500 employees, and he was pulling in over five, uh, uh, let me get this straight, I think over 10 million a year making big bucks. And it was just growing and growing and doing better and better. And, uh, and he recognized God's hand on him. He recognized that it was absolutely God who was making all of this possible. Now, while he was with us, he shared with us the passage of Scripture that God used to minister to him. And it actually comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want us to learn two very important lessons from Deuteronomy chapter 8 that apply not just to rich people, but to everybody who calls himself or herself a follower of Jesus Christ. And the first lesson is this. Lesson number one is that God wants to provide for you. God wants to meet all your needs. Does everybody understand that today? This is what Mr. Kim discovered. He started in poverty, and yet here he is now, God has enabled him, given him gifts and skills and the ability to be, to be rich. He understood that this was a stewardship, that this was given to him by God for God's purposes and not just for his own purposes. So the first thing that you need to recognize today is that God wants to provide for you. He really, really wants to meet your needs. After reading the Bible uh, for over 30, well, almost 40 years, after being in the ministry for 30 years, here's what I know for sure. When it comes to God's provision, I know that the Bible tells us that God cares for you, number one. And number two, I know that God wants to meet all your needs. So if you're here today and you're struggling financially and your, your life's falling apart and your marriage is having problems and your business is having problems and your you know, finances are out of whack and everything's a mess, I'm going to tell you this. These are signs that you need to get your life in order. Because God really wants you to know that he loves you and cares for you, and secondly, that he wants to meet your needs. Some people are here today thinking, you know, God doesn't answer my prayer, things aren't going right for me, I'm struggling. I want you to know, struggling is not, it's not necessarily what God wants for you. But God, listen to this, God will allow you to suffer to get your attention. Well, we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. 
But let's talk, let's talk for a minute about God wanting to provide for you and that God cares for you. In uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this, Give all your worries and cares to God, for God cares about you. Would you talk, tell the person beside you, God cares for you. Go ahead, tell them that. Yeah. Okay, now did everybody have someone tell them that? Okay, for those of you who are missed, okay, enough, enough people, children. <laughs> Listen, listen, listen. Uh, For those of you who didn't have anybody tell you this, now I'm going to tell you. God cares for you. There's nobody here today that God does not care about. So God doesn't want you to be a worrier. How many worriers do we have here? Yeah, a few honest people. The rest are like, I'm not not saying. All the people who worry, stand up. No, don't, don't. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, is that we all have our moments. I have my moments, and the older my kids get, the more I have those moments. The more I, I you know, more they, they're out there and living life, the more I'm like, okay, I better not go to sleep yet. Jesse was out working till 1.30 in the morning uh, with, you know, in his uh, company that installs furnaces, and I, I mean, I could not go to sleep until he was home, and uh, it's just, just what a father does. But listen, God doesn't want you to worry. God doesn't want you to be overwhelmed by the cares of life. God wants you to know that he's with you, that he loves you, and he wants to provide for you and meet your needs. In fact, look at this. If you read in in Deuteronomy chapter 8, you know you'll discover. God points out, or Moses points out, to the children of Israel. He says, you know, you guys wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And did you, do you, do you realize that the whole time you were wandering in the wilderness, that God provided for you the bread of heaven? Anybody know what the bread of heaven is? Manna. You know what manna means? It means, what is it? <laughs> now, some of you would sit down to your meal. <laughs> you look at your food and you say, what is it? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about being sarcastic here. I'm talking about that that really is the question they asked. What is it? Because it's never been had before, never been seen before. They came out, God provided this, this manna on the ground. They go and gather it up. It, was, uh, it had a, a nice sweet flavor, and it, it nourished them. It, it, it provided for them. And, and, and the writer of Deuteronomy says, you guys ate this for 40 years. For 40 years, God proved to you that he, he cares about you, and he met your needs. So anybody who questions whether God cares is the one who is not taking advantage of God's provision. And I'm going to tell you in a bit how you can take advantage of God's provision. He goes on to say this, not only did God feed you with the bread of heaven, he said, but your shoes didn't wear out. My shoes don't last long. But can you imagine shoes that last for 40 years? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And not only that, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 4, he says, not only did your shoes not wear out, but your feet didn't get any blisters on them. Imagine walking for 40 years. I mean, they didn't walk for 40 years nonstop, but that's what they were doing. They were were on the move. For 40 years, it says you didn't get any blisters on your feet, and not only that, but your ankles didn't swell. Your feet didn't swell up. Man, I go shopping for for a few hours at Costco, and I just got to sit down and put my feet up. I'm done. They wanted for 40 years, no blisters, no feet swelling, shoes didn't wear out. 
And not only that, for 40 years, it says your clothes didn't wear out. Now, I'm going to tell you something, people. What God did for the children of Israel back in those days when they were wandering, God wants to do for every one of us here. He wants to provide for you. He wants to meet all your needs. And he will do that. But here's what you got to do. you got to get in line with his program. you got to fall in line with what he wants to do in your life and through your life. So the starting point is this. you got to know that God cares about you. The second thing you need to know is that God not only cares for you, and remember, it's not just empty words, but God proves that by his action, the Bible says that God will actually meet all your needs. Listen to this, Philippians 4.19. Some of you know this verse. And it says, And this same God who takes care of me, or who cares for me, listen to this, doesn't just care, but he will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just point out something to you this morning, something that you need to know. First of all, it says that God will provide all your needs. It doesn't say God might provide all your needs. So you need to know that. You need to stand on that promise. It's not, it's, it's not a maybe proposition. This is a for sure And so if God's not meeting your needs today, if you feel like, you know, God's not meeting my needs, well, I'm going to tell you, then it's not God who's not meeting your needs. It's you who are not allowing God to meet your needs. And you say, well, pastor, how do I I correct this? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I'm going to tell you in a moment. The second thing that you need to know is that God will supply all your needs. It doesn't say most of your needs. It says all your needs. Now, but can I just point out something real quickly here? It doesn't say, I will supply all your greeds. It says, I will supply all your needs. How many understand there's a difference between need and greed? We are, by nature, people who just love to hoard. Has anybody seen the hoarding program? I mean, we we can't even throw out a cardboard box. Piles of newspapers and on and on it goes. Why do you think dollar stores are so successful? My brother-in-law, Bill, calls dollar stores landfill shops. You go into a dollar store, you don't even need anything, but you say, well, I could use that, so, and it's only a buck, and so by the time you're done, you filled up your basket full of stuff for a buck, full of garbage that you don't really need, right? Of course, right. God promised to meet your needs, not your greeds. God's promised to care for you. So what you and I need to do is we need to rearrange the way we think. We've got to stop thinking as consumers and start seeing ourselves as children of God who get our priorities straight and who start living according to God's rules, God's commands. Mr. Kim was telling me, he says, you know I never fly first class. And I'm sitting there listening to him. This guy's a millionaire, a multimillionaire. And I'm always thinking to myself, I always thought this, the day I become a millionaire, if I ever became one, I would only, always fly first class. Um, but not Mr. Kim. And I didn't have the heart to tell him I flew home from the Philippines first class. He said, I never fly first class. He said, and you know what else? He says, I wouldn't even buy a sandwich on an airplane because it costs $8. 
And I'm thinking to myself, this millionaire, really? <laughs> Not even $8 for a sandwich? Because you can buy much cheaper sandwiches than that. This man lives his life as a steward of Jesus Christ. He lives his life in such a way that he wants to honor God and use all that God has given to him for God's glory and honor. And so Mr. Kim was a, God, was a man that God knew he could trust. And so starting at a salary of $25,000 a year as a computer programmer, this man went on to become a millionaire. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power, and another version might say the ability to become rich. Another translation says to be successful. God wants to prosper you. He wants to provide for you. He wants you to meet your needs. But you, this is what you've got to understand, is that you need to understand that God wants you to be a partner with him in bringing hope to this world that's full of darkness and full of pain and suffering and hopelessness. Do you understand that today? Because if you've bought into what our culture promises as happiness, then friends, listen to me, you are not on track with what God wants to do in your life and through your life. But if you begin to understand that you are an agent of Jesus Christ, that God wants you to become part of his army, part of his team, bringing hope to this world, then it'll revolutionize, radically change the way you live your life. It'll radically change the things that you buy. You will see yourself as part of God's plan to bring hope to this world. Mr. Kim understands that he's a steward. Mr. Kim understands that the talents that he has, the talents and the gifts to make money, this entrepreneurial spirit has been entrusted to him by God so that God can use him to bring hope and health to those in need. Mr. Kim saw the need in the north. And because of that, he went and bought some land just adjacent to a, a reserve. I think they call them villages now uh, in a town just near Terrace, B.C. It's amazing. A guy from New York flying all the way up to to BC so that he can help this community. I said, how on earth did you end up going there? He goes, well, somebody took me on a missions trip. And God birthed the need in my heart. He said, but you've got to know my full story, Pastor Allen. And here's, here's what happened. He says, my business was doing really, really well. And he says, it's just success after success after success. And then one day, my accountant told me that we had lost millions. Took a huge, huge loss. And this shocked him to the core because he, he says, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I went to church every Sunday and I prayed and I read, read my Bible. How could God allow this to happen to me? He said, this was a wake-up call and God said, take your Bible and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And he started pouring over that chapter. In fact, he, he actually, in my office... On, in a little slideshow, he had Deuteronomy chapter 8, and he wanted to read all those verses to us because he, he wanted to show us what God showed him. And those first few words of this verse, but remember the Lord your God. He said he understood, he recognized that God was trying to get his attention, 
Because although he was going through the spiritual motions, in essence, what had happened is he'd forgotten God. He'd become, he became very, very much aware of his own ability. He'd won awards. He was well-known. He's a millionaire. People were coming to him for advice. He'd forgotten God. How many know today it's very easy to forget God? Even though you come to church every Sunday, you maybe teach Sunday school, you're involved in the service, in the, in the band, whatever. It's very easy to go through the motions and that your heart slowly is drifting away from God. And that's what happened to Mr. Kim. And it was in that moment that his heart had drifted away from God that God spoke to him and said, it's time. It's time to return. I want to show you, share this next passage of Scripture with you. God says this, and when you have eaten and are filled, you will honor and thank the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But look at this, be careful not to forget the Lord your God by not keeping all his laws, which I'm telling you today. You see, you and I, what, what you and I need to do is we, we need to understand that God is calling us to be extremely careful in maintaining our relationship to him. It's so easy to become cold toward God. It's so easy to let our heart drift. It's so easy to go to the spiritual and the religious rituals. Going to church every Sunday, raising your hands, this is fantastic. Part of a small group, going through life, but our hearts are slowly drifting away from God. That's what happened to Mr. Kim. I want to ask you a question today. Has that happened to you? Where are you at right now? Can you say that your heart's on fire for God? Could you say that you're zealous for the Lord? Could you say that your heart is, is in tune with the heart of God? Remember what, what, what I said at the beginning of my message. Jesus Christ came to this world for what reason? To seek and to save what was lost. This is the heartbeat of God. And I'm going to tell you this today. If you really want to get in touch with and in, in step with God, then take a look at the need around you and recognize that God wants to use you to meet that need. And I can tell you this, if you're going to be tight-fisted and you're not going to be sharing what, from, the, from the prosperity that God has given you, do you really think God's going to entrust more to you? But the one who is generous, the one who gives, the one who remembers the broken, the hurting, the needy, the lost, that's the one God knows I can, I can depend, I can count on him, I can count on her. I can, I can count on that person to make sure that my name is glorified in the world. Jesus says in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, remember the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5? Jesus says this, live your life in such a way that you actually cause the people around you to praise your Father in heaven. Are you living that way? Are you living in such a way that the people who know you are saying, I sure, I don't know if there's a God up there, but if there is, I sure thank him for your life. That's how we're supposed to live our life, to cause the people around us. And Mr. Kim forgot that. It, it took that kind of a shake-up for him. And I'm going to tell you, God will allow that, by the way. He will allow you to experience a shake-up in your life. Maybe a physical ailment. It may be a, a financial problem. Maybe a loss of a job. You start having troubles in your family. Listen to me, people. Listen. If you want to know God's care and his provision and his help in your life, then you are going to have to get your mind and your heart and your life in sync with God. 
Because I can tell you this, God's promised to meet all your needs. He's promised to care for you. He's promised to help you. But as we read here in the law of Moses, be careful. When you got your nice house, you got your nice car, you got your command start. I got command start. His name's Nick. (laughs) (laughs) When you got your command start and you got money in your wallet to go get groceries, whatever you want, be careful not to forget where you got it from. Be careful to remember that there's those who need you to show them God's love. And if you remember, you can count on God to continue to provide for you and meet your every need. I know that because I experienced that. Remember when we first came to, to this church, when it was called Weston Gospel Church? We, you've heard me say this before. We, we, were, we were not even earning enough to live on. But I knew God wanted us to come to this church. I knew God wanted us here. And we just, we, we knew that God wanted us to be the top givers in the church. So we, we tried really hard to outgive everybody, to, to be faithful in our tithes and our offerings and whatever the need was, we tried to be the, at the front of the line. I'm not bragging, but you need to know that as your pastor who's preaching this stuff, I practice what I preach. God used to meet our needs in amazing ways. Every Christmas, there would be a turkey on our front porch. I mean, not one with feathers and a, you know. It was like a turkey fell out of the sky every Christmas, and it was on our front. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't until uh, a number of years later, we'd get this turkey. We, we didn't know if it was for us, and we were supposed to give it to somebody else, or we were supposed to cook it for the church. We didn't know what it was for. And finally, we discovered that it was Don's uncle, who never, ever, ever came to church, ever. He was, uh, he was really quite a comical man. Some of you may have remembered or may have known Mr. Sharp. He, he was kind of a sharp personality, uh, no pun intended, uh, sharp sense of humor. He used to, used to make fun of me all the time. But I was getting a turkey every year, so I lived with it. <laughs> God used Mr. Sharp to provide for us. God used others to provide for us. I cannot tell you how many times there'd be anonymous gifts given to us as we went about trying to honor God and to please him. And I can tell you this, God met our every single need every time. Never, ever, ever did God ever fail us. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're feeling like God's not meeting your needs, I'm going to tell you something. You need to get in track and on track and in line with what God wants to do in your life. Because can I just remind everybody of something today? We're talking about a supernatural relationship with Almighty God, where God does miracles. This is what we're about here. We're about a God who is in the business of doing miracles in your life of providing for you in miraculous ways. You heard me talking last week about how God provided for us so we could build this building and didn't have to hold poker tournaments or bingo, bingo nights to help pay the bills. God provided in miraculous ways. Listen, God did that for the church, but he wants to do that for every one of you here today. Personally, he wants to do this for you. I, one of the things I drilled into my son Jesse's head is you have to be a tither. You have to tithe. You've got to trust God. You've got to give. That was something that my father, in turn, drilled into my head. 
Now, here's what I know. As long as Jesse is tithing and giving to God, I never have to worry about him. I always will know that God will provide for him and meet his needs. And so it's the, 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 the responsibility for caring for Jesse's needs is off of me. It's, on, it's onto the shoulders of the Almighty God. And God has provided for Jesse in amazing ways. He always gets a job. He always has a job. When it came time for him to go to Israel, he asked a few people, would you be willing to support me as I go to work in Israel for three and a half months? He got more money than he needed. He was able actually then to put it towards other missions works. I said, Jesse, can I just remind you, you will never be able to outgive God. But you've got to get in the habit now of beginning to give a portion of what you have. Why? Because God wants you to get in line with his plan and the way that he works. Because even as God is a giving God, he wants us to be giving people as a reflection of who he is. I'm going to say this to you today. If you are struggling financially, then what you need to do is you need to reconsider how you're living your life. You need to reconsider how you spend your money. Instead of going to the dollar store, maybe what you need to do is you need to like, do you really need a, another potato peeler? Do you really need another pie lifter? Do, do, do you really need another... Things you put into a potato and you spin like this and you get curly potatoes. Do you really need another one? Do you really need a, a, a knife that can cut through tin cans and then cut through a, a tomato so thinly your in-laws will never come back? Remember that commercial? And we just, we're just, we just think of ourselves and we buy, buy, buy. Our house is full of junk. And God wants us to get in line with his plan and stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others. Listen to me. When you learn how to get in line with God's plan to care for his broken and hurting world, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to make you a promise today. It's a money-back guarantee. You can come back and get your money from me. I can promise you this. God will meet your every need. You'll never be in need. You'll never be in want. Mr. Kim, he, uh, he learned his lesson. And the next year, he broke even. He came out of the hole, broke even. And then the year after that, he made a profit. And then the year after that, a company came along, a massive software company came along, and it's called CDS. He said, they said to him, we want to buy your company for you. And he went to pray about it, and he said, God told them to sell it, and to sell it at three times what it was valued at. And so the company said, yeah, we want it bad enough, we'll pay it. Mr. Kim walked away a very, very wealthy man. But not only that, but he also made many others wealthy. He said, I, I knew that God wanted me to do something significant with this. This was not just for me to have fun. But I felt God calling me to make a difference in the world that I lived in. And so he started doing work up in, up in B.C., in this little village. You know what he did? He, he started a company. A mushroom company. I think it's called G-I-T-X Mushrooms. I don't know what G-I-T-X is. It's something like that. But he, he, he harvests mushrooms. and Not magic mushrooms, by the way. <laughs> Just, you know, the kind that grow in trees and on the ground. I don't, I'm not a mushroom f- fanatic. 
And not only did he sell that, but he noticed that they were that that fern, you know, you know, F E R N, fern grow in BC and it grows well there. And he said, "This is a delicacy amongst the Asians." And I said, "Like the the kind that grew in my front yard when I was growing up." It just turns out, yes. But I said, "Like the the, the whole leaf." He goes, "No, just the just when they're young, they're just little sprouts. They call them fern heads." I didn't even know that you could eat those things. And here, you know, we had a whole harvest of food in our front yard, Dad, growing up. We didn't even know we could eat this stuff. But there it is. And he was, what he did is he built this company so that he could give jobs to the aboriginals in the north. Did you know that 90% of the aboriginals in the north are, are, have no employment? Because there's just no jobs. The government wants them to stay there to keep the north occupied, but they have no jobs. And so there's a horrible poverty there. And there's a mindset that, that doesn't understand that you've got you to work if you want to eat. That's what the Bible says. And so Mr. Kim's there harvesting fern heads and giving jobs to the locals. He says, I understand this is God's calling on my life to, to change a community one at a time. Now, can you imagine if everybody who was a who called himself a Christian and everybody who was, who had, who, who was in, in, in line with and in step with the Holy Spirit, if everybody did that, what a difference this we would make in this world. Listen to me, folks. This is exactly what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about bringing hope and change to a broken and hurting world. Mr. Kim is so intrigued by what we're trying to do that he has he's promised that he would help us with a starting donation of $20,000 to help us get some young Aboriginals into our program so that we can train them, so we can disciple them, so we can take them to the next level. I wonder this morning, what kind of a difference are you making in the world? We said, Pastor, I haven't got $20,000 to give away. No. Do you have, do you have $20? Do you have two hundred? dollars Because here's what I know. Is that if you can't be faithful with the small things, God's never going to entrust more to you. Mr. Kim was able to prove himself in the small things, and because of that, God was able then to bless him so that he is today a multi, multi millionaire. And he goes around bringing hope to a broken and hurting world. What are you doing with your life? Are you making a difference in this world? You see, here's what you and I need to understand. I want to close with this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. It says this. God says, God let you be hungry, which helped you not to have pride. How many of us today are, are struggling, having a difficulty? God allows that. Why? So that you will stop trying to depend on yourself and you'll stop being proud. That's what it says here in this verse. So you'll stop being proud. So you stop relying on yourself and start relying on him and start doing it his way. God knows, knows how to live this life better than you and I know. That's why we worship him. That's why we come to him. That's why we follow him, because he knows best. So God let you be hungry for a while, which helped you not to have pride. That's what he said to Israel. Then he fed you with bread from heaven, which you and your fathers had not known. We call it manna. He did this to make you understand. Listen to this. He did this to make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. So here's what you and I need to understand today as we go. Is it more important than your physical needs? 
is your spiritual needs. And the thing that you and I need to do is we need to make sure that our heart is right with God. That you and I are constantly careful to follow the word of God and to live according to this word. Because when you live according to this word, my friends, that is when you live life to the fullest. That's when you experience the abundant life that God wants for you. What's the, what's the state of your heart today? Do you need to go through what Mr. Kim went through? Do you need to go through a downturn? Maybe some of you are in a downturn right now and God's saying, hello, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach you not to live in pride, but to live in dependence upon me. That's what God's saying. He'll let you to go hungry. He'll let you suffer a little bit so that you turn back to him and allow him to lead you and to guide you. Because your spiritual needs are far more important than your physical needs. I would say this to you today. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for you to take that step of faith and start giving, start sharing, start tithing, start providing for somebody in need. Can I tell you this? God doesn't need your money. But for your own sake, for the sake of your you need to become a giver. I know this because, first of all, I've experienced it in my own life. And secondly, I've experienced what it means to go through difficulty. Every time I've ever gone through difficulty, any time I've ever gone through struggle, I know it's God tapping on me on the shoulder and saying, hello, it's time for you to get back on track again, Alan. Is that what God's doing in your life right now? Well, today, I invite you to say yes to God. Yes, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to stop going according to my own understanding. I'm going to start living according to your word. I'm going to follow your plan and stop doing it my way. Would you stand with me, please? God, we want to say thank you for your provision. And we want to say thank you that you want to meet our every need. We want to say thank you, God, that your word tells us that you care for us. And even as you cared for the Israelites back all those hundreds of years ago, God, you're still in the same business of caring for your people. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't get blisters. They didn't swell up. You fed them from heaven. God, you, you provided for them and you taught them to trust you. God, some of us right now are going through a difficult time and we're panicking, especially as Christmas is coming up. And what you, you have got a special person today, Lord. Stop following your own understanding. Stop following your own impulses and start living the way I'm telling you to live. God, help us today, we pray to live according to every word that comes out of your mouth. Help us, oh God, we pray, to stop being caught up with our physical needs, which are so temporal. But help us rather, Lord, to do things the way you want us to do it. And God, we know that the promise is there. You will meet our every need. You will help us through whatever it is that we're going through. So today, God, we want to come back to you. We want to surrender to you. And say, God, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to trust you. This is what the life of faith is really all about. It's all about believing.
So God, we go from this place now. We pray with your blessing and with your strength, with your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell the person beside you, I'm going to be a giver.